people ready for the word. That's good. Awesome. We're awake. So we're going through uh, the book of John, the gospel of John. And we're actually up to chapter 5 now. So, so this is pretty cool. Chapter 5 covers off on Jesus, the healer. It's quite an appropriate uh, message for your son this morning, Jacqueline. And uh, I just believe even as we're talking about Jesus who heals, that he's being healed right now. So, Jesus the healer. You know, people that are desperate for healing, you know, sick people uh, over history will flock to any place where healings are happening. Have you noticed that? Here's a few examples. Several years ago um, in a place in Mexico, I'm saying in a place in Mexico because I'm not sure how to pronounce this place, Tlacoti. Is that close? Nobody knows. But five to 10,000 people a day would line up for over many miles to get water from Jesus Chahin's well to cure their illness. So there was a well that had this specific water. When a sick farm dog recovered swiftly after lapping some of the water, uh, Chahin started giving it away. Because he thought, oh, this is healing water. Come and, come and drink. So once the word got out, people travelled from far and wide and as far as Europe and Russia and... The health department tested the water and found it to be normal. <laughs> but Cheyenne said it, it weighs less than normal water, apparently. A fact to which he attributed to its healing properties. And it's supposed to have um, cured AIDS, blindness, lameness, cancer, obesity. Praise the Lord, where's this water? Uh, high cholesterol and a number of other diseases. Get me some of that water. Was it shut up and take my money? That's what they say. Anyway, the following year, a spring of healing water was discovered in a cave in Germany, east of Dusseldorf. People claimed it healed blindness, bad backs, rheumatism, and high blood pressure. Wow. That's it. A few months later, water began gushing out of a um, deserted well north of Delhi in India. And people who bathed in it said that they were healed of skin disease, polio, and other illnesses. The sights and healings go on and on and on. If you do your research and Google it, it must be true because it's on the internet, but it's everywhere. But this phenomenon, this kind of thing is, is not new. Even back in Jesus' day, six people gathered at a pool in hopes of being healed. And as John reported in chapter 5 that we're going to look at in just a moment, when Jesus healed a lame man at that pool, the miracle led to a lot of trouble for Jesus. But he ably defended himself. So let's go there. We're going to read John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. It says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. So this is after he's had the encounter with the woman at the well in chapter 4. We've talked about that. And he's spent some time with the Samaritans, breaking cultural barriers, all of those things. And then we're here. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. No, he's a Jew, so that makes sense. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. It's a lot of years, isn't it? 
when you think about 38, I turned 44 this year, so that's six years less than how old I am. This man spent with his infirmity. He lived with the problem that he had. So as an observant Jew, Jesus is going back to Jerusalem to celebrate a feast. And it wasn't the only reason he went. He made a stop at the pool of Bethesda. And whether healing actually occurred here or not, we don't really know. The Bible says an angel come down and spread. But that could have just been the word on the street, uh, that this is what happens at this place. So we don't actually know. There's no recorded healings in the Bible at this pool. So we don't, we don't know. But people were desperate to try anything that might work. And I guess unless you've been in that place, we don't get it. But when you're not well or when you're struggling or when you've got an infirmity for 38 years... You're desperate for something. You, you almost, you just don't care. I want whatever the cure is, give it to me now. So you're desperate. Uh, so they gathered around the pool, hoping, waiting, and praying for healing. You know, imagine, bless you, imagine living by a pool with a lot of other sick people. Just picture the scene for a moment. It's full of the sickest of the sick in this pool, around this pool. And they're hoping to be the first one in the water when it stirs up, because that's the story. When, when it stirs up, the first one in gets their, gets their healing. And even if you're the first to see the water bubbling, there's no hope of you being healed because you can't get yourself in by yourself because of your infirmity. And there's no one that is willing to help you. you know, imagine st- straining day in and day out to keep your arms and some part of your body as close to the water's edge as the hordes of people around you uh, push past you and trample you, essentially, shove you to take your spot. Imagine calling out to the healthy people who walked by and begging them to give you, not the person beside you, (laughs) arms, you know, some food, some money. That's what this man's life was like, and he had an infirmity for 38 years. Does that sound depressing to anybody? Can you imagine... How depressed you would be. Day after day, no hope. It just, you get trampled, you get stood on. This is the pool, in case you're interested. It's a bit of a ruin these days, but that's the place where this event took place. You can see the layout. Just imagine that consumed with helpless people, people that have infirmities, that are sick, that are dying, that are diseased, whatever. Whatever there is, they've got it and they're there at that pool. That's depressing. Let's continue reading. Verse 6 to 8. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, because Jesus knows all, because he's God and and man at the same time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Isn't Jesus known for... Just study. But you know what? There was an underlying message in that. Are you too busy wanting to try and jump into a pool for your healing? Or do you want to be made well right now? But when you've been in that place for however long and had an infirmity for 38 years, all you've ever known is I've got to get to the pool. So he said, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. See, that's where his mind was at. When the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed 
and walk. Wow. Who wants to be healed, essentially? (laughs) The man Jesus picked out from the crowd to heal was a man who had been lame for almost four decades. Wow. When he asked the man if he wanted to be healed, the man made an excuse. He didn't give the straight answer. The straight answer would have been, do you want to be healed? Yes. Done. But his response was, I can't get to the pool. Jesus ignored his excuse and told him to get up and walk, which was a ridiculous command, really. Put yourself in the scene. Some random just comes along and tells a lame man to get up and walk. You know, we just go, oh, well, it was Jesus. So, but none of them know who Jesus is. So the notion of someone walking in on the Sabbath, mind you, and we'll get to that. You know, if the man could do that, if he could just get up, take his mat and walk, why is he lying around waiting to get into a pool? That's, that's the obvious statement. Now, what I want to do is give you a bit of a spoiler for season two of The Chosen, Patrick, if you're excited. This is one of the scenes from one of the episodes in season two where Jesus heals this man. And it's just so cool to see it with your eyes. So can we get the lights and, and turn on, the, turn on the, um, the sound, make sure the sound's on, and here we go. This is what all the fuss is about. An oversized mikveh. I have a feeling we haven't seen it all yet. That's him. Who? Him. The one who's been here the longest. What doesn't belong. The sad one. Why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Just stay with me and watch. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. 
Sir. Sir. I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Free to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. You! It's Shabbat. What are you doing? Torah forbids carrying a map on Shabbat. Not Torah, the oral tradition. Yes. Transporting objects from one domain to another violates Shabbat. The man who healed you. Do you me. not realize what just happened here? Why are you trying to make this about Shabbat? He said to me, take up your bed and walk. Who did? Who told you that? He did. I don't know. He didn't tell me his name. No. Of course not. He performs a magic trick and tells you to commit a sin. A false prophet. This will be reported. <laughs> Report whatever you want. I'm standing on two legs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I need to go find my brother. 
How cool is that? <laughs> Can we watch more? <laughs> no, 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 not more. Spoiler, that's a spoiler. John chapter 5 verse 9 says, And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Wow. Wow. Amazingly, the man obeyed Jesus. It would have been a challenge for him to do that. He'd been there for so long. As a result, he was cured immediately and walked away on the Sabbath. And you'd think the people watching would have, you know, cheered and hoisted Jesus up on their shoulders and, yeah, Jesus rocks, something like that. (laughs) Treated him like a hero, but that's anything but what happened. The strict religious leaders pitched a fit about two things. Number one, that Jesus did work, or he said a magic trick, but he did work by healing on the Sabbath. And number two, that the sick man did work by picking up his bed and carrying it. For this lame man to get up and walk at Jesus' command was impossible in the natural. Yet he did it. What is there in our lives that seems impossible? Maybe it's getting a job. Maybe it's paying your bills. Maybe it's finding a husband or a wife. I don't know. Maybe it's dreaming up and having faith to contribute to our first fruits offering. Maybe that seems beyond you right now. But if it's in line with God's word, if it's in line with God's will, it's possible with Jesus when you obey him. That's why our approach for our first fruits offering is Seek God. Don't listen to what we tell you, a day's wage, a week's wage, a month's wage, whatever. Seek God. Because if he puts it on your heart and if you're faithful to what he says to you, you'll be obeying him and he'll make a way for it to happen. Amen? That's how life works. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things are added to us. Let's carry on. Instant cure. Awesome. John chapter 5, verses 10 to 13. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being in that place. He knew what was about to unfold. So he's like, exit stage Left, this way, let's get out of here. And uh, you can see Matthew urging, <laughs> come on, let's get out of here, because it's about to all go down. So we've got a mystery healer. The Jewish leaders didn't care that this man was miraculously healed. They just looked right past it. They did not care one bit. They cared that the healing took place on the Sabbath. That's what they cared about. That, that was the day of rest and that had been violated. It's supposed to be a day of no work, yet work is happening here. So we're not happy. They'd added a lot of regulations to God's law um, to rest on the Sabbath day. And so they had really distorted its meaning. So according to these leaders, carrying a bed mat on the Sabbath was a sin and healing on the Sabbath was outlawed as well. So they were pretty fired up. They weren't happy. So as a result, they're grilling this man that was healed to find out who healed him, but he doesn't know. He must have been so busy celebrating his healing that he forgot to ask Jesus' name. (laughs) The truth is Jesus knew what was coming and was wise to get out of that place for now. You know, Jesus had disappeared before, but 
could, you could find out who he was. But in this case, he'd left no clues as that, you know, I'm the Messiah. He didn't say anything like that. He just did the healing and the man was healed and he had faith from that moment. And so the move now is to be down with Jesus. Let's read John 5, 14 to 18. It says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So now it's out there. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. It's like he's stoking the fire. Uh, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They're not happy at all. So it's down with Jesus. That's their uh, approach now, because they are not happy. It's Like I said, he's stoking the flames. He's like, you know, getting them just so riled up with what he's doing. They are not happy. You know, Jesus comes across the man who he healed to identify himself, And logically, the Jewish leaders should have prosecuted the healed man for breaking the law instead of going after Jesus. But they were more concerned about Jesus because of what he had done. They were on a mission to destroy this man who claimed to be God and who pointed out that God doesn't quit working on the Sabbath. God is at work all the time. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad it's not God's day off when you need a miracle? So after all, God keeps on holding the universe together, sending Rain and sunshine, answering prayers, giving life and taking li- tackling the hard issues of life on your behalf, regardless of what day it is. Praise God. Although the Jews didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they understood his claim to deity. Because they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, they regarded him as blasphemy. Blasphemous. That's why they wanted to kill him. It was an offense that carried the death penalty to be blasphemous. This is the first of many recorded Uh, persecutions of Jesus in the book of John. You know, to the Jewish mind, Jesus' claims to be God was blasphemous because it suggested the idea of two gods because they didn't understand the nature of the Trinity. Nothing of the sort was in mind with Jesus' self-declaration as the Son of God. Rather, Jesus proclaimed that he was God in human form, the second person of the Trinity. So we understand that because we have that knowledge. But in that day... They thought he was saying that he was a God, not, not our Heavenly Father God, but another God, two deities. So they weren't happy with that at all. John chapter 5, 19 to 23 says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. So the defence is now speaking. (laughs) He's giving his, I guess, defense speech. This is what's going on. He does his best to explain his role in the Trinity. So instead of denying the leader's accusations of blasphemy, he doesn't do that. Jesus gave them a lot of ammunition to use against him. (laughs) 
He doesn't act like, I guess, what you'd expect him to act like. You know, if you or I are accused, we tend to justify or give reason, but, but Jesus gave his defense. He and the Father know each other intimately and love each other very much, and because of this relationship, Jesus can do only what God does. Jesus went on to shock his audience even more. These Jewish leaders knew that only God can raise people from the dead and judge them at the final judgment. But when Jesus claimed he could do the same things, he was clearly claiming to be God. And they didn't like it one bit. As such, failure to honour him equaled failure to honour God. And you can almost feel the anger rising in the uh, religious leaders as they listen to Jesus' words. You'd love to be a fly on the wall. You know, the temperature boiling is just going up and up and up. They are not happy at all. They want to take Jesus out. You know, when Jesus claims to be equal with God, either he was joking and it was a really bad joke, and we know it's not a joke. Um, Either he was crazy, but, you know, what sane person would give this ammunition to people who want to kill him? Maybe he was lying, but no one could trust him about anything if that was the case. Or maybe, just maybe, he's telling the truth. (laughs) What do you think? He's telling the truth. He is the Son of God. No matter what anyone religious says, we can't have God without Jesus. We can't have God or Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We believe in a God that is a holy trinity, three in one. Our mind doesn't get it because one is one. Like, like Patrick is one. There can't be another bit of Patrick lying around. So that's how our minds work. There's one. <laughs> There's no one like you, Patrick. No one like you, Trev. No one like you, Mapa. Everyone's different. But we're not three in one like the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That's why our earthly minds can't comprehend it. We can get it, but we don't get it. You get what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard to put your head around. No matter what anyone says, you can't have God without Jesus. They come as an indivisible set. If we reject Jesus, we also reject God. If we accept Jesus, we also accept God. There isn't an either-or option. So I don't care what religious person comes up to you and tries to tell you different. If you accept God, you have to accept Jesus is his son and he came and he died for us. You have to accept the Holy Spirit as well. And we do that by seeking Jesus, who he is and what he means to us. Have a look at the screen.
We read earlier in the book of John where Jesus turns water into wine. But he did that behind closed doors, not in open view for everyone to see. But now Jesus has made a choice to heal a man in plain broad daylight in front of everybody. And you may ask the question, well, why didn't he heal everybody there that day? That's such a good question. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that. But what I infer from that is that it just began the biggest movement of people seeking Jesus. Before they didn't know that he was there. But he's done a miracle and now he's hungry for people to seek after him. To chase after him. To learn about him. To discover him. To know that their healing is found in him. And so healing that man that day brought some attention. <laughs> from the bad guys, and the, but, that, but from other people too. Seek me. Healing. All you don't need the pool. All you need is me. So seek me. Would you bow your heads? I want to give opportunity for people in this place, for people online. Good morning to you online. If you don't know this Jesus, my simple encouragement to you today is to seek Jesus. Seek his face. He is your everything. He is your provider for every aspect, every area of your life. Jesus provides. Through his death on the cross, he's made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin, for us to be uh, able to move on in life, not held back by the chains of the past, the things that we've done wrong, the mistakes that we've made, but those chains are broken when we accept Jesus because He's made a way for us to be forgiven for every bad choice we've ever made, everything we've ever done wrong. He paid the penalty that we deserve on our behalf because the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And I don't know about you, but I don't fancy dying. Uh, but that's the price the Bible says we must pay for our sin. But then Jesus comes. And he paid that penalty for us. He died on a cross for you and for me so that those chains could be gone and broken. Don't let those chains hold you back. Once you surrender your life to Jesus, don't be held back by your past because it's been dealt with at the cross of Christ. So what I want to do is give you opportunity to respond to this Jesus, to seek his face, to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. So if that's you and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, maybe you're at home in your living room and, and you've never given your life to Jesus. You're not joining this church or a cult or anything like that. You are becoming a child of God and joining the kingdom of heaven. So if that's you and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, maybe it's for the first time today. Maybe it's uh, a recommitment to Jesus. You know, your life's previously been given to him but you've gone wayward and made your own choices and, and you've gone astray well Jesus is calling you home today and he wants you to surrender your life to him so if that's you why don't you just lift up your hands in his presence and we're going to pray as a church if you're at home I know I can't see your hands but you just lift up your hand God sees your heart he sees your hand and we're going to pray as a church together and I see that hand that's great I see that hand too. Wonderful. People surrendering their lives to Jesus. So good. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you died for me, 
I now choose to believe that you were raised from the dead and I confess it with my mouth. You are my Lord. I choose to follow you. You break every chain of sin and bad choices that I've made. I'm a new creation. I'm a Christian and I seek your face. Come and lead me and guide me, I pray. From this day forward, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God? Two people raising their hands in the building today. People online and at home watching this now or later on during the week. God is good, amen. God is so good. You know what? Start praying, church, because we are entering a building season. Question is, are you going to be builders with us? Well, I know the answer. <laughs> Come on the journey with us. Pray. The first Sunday in July is going to be a big, fantastic party in church as we bring in our first fruits offering. Between now and then, please seek God. Ask Him what He'd have you do. And make it significant for you. Whatever that means, make it significant. God bless you, church. Let me pray God's blessing over you. Father, I thank you for your people, for your church. I pray for your Holy Spirit to go with us, before us, behind us, all around us. Lead us and guide us. Give us wisdom. Keep us safe. Help us to share Jesus. Help us to be generous. Father God, we love you and we choose to live for you. Lead us and guide us this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week.